Hello, ladies and gentle nerds. It is your boy Graham, also known as Hamhawks42, and this episode is brought to you by that existential dread that you feel when you realize that Malcolm Gladwell will consider you an expert at a silly card game, and you just gotta build something out of it. After all, I mean, those thousand hours have to be worth something. Alright guys, let's get into it. We are looking at the Gatherer. We're gonna go ahead and click that random card button. And let's go ahead and take a look at what comes up. Alright, we are looking at the Staff of the Death Magus, which is a really intense name. I'm pretty sure there's a, uh, a Swedish metal band where that's their third album. Alright. So Staff of the Death Magus, despite being the purpliest name out here, purpliest? I don't know. The pros. The pros are very purple. Uh, so it is a uncommon from Magic 2014, the core set uh, M2014. Looks like it was uh, also printed in M15. Cool. And uh, so it costs three for an artifact. Whenever you cast a black spell or a swamp enters the battlefield under your control you gain one life. Um, not surprisingly, the community rating on this one is really trash. Um, there are a lot of cards over the years that have been printed with these kind of as artifacts that have some kind of benefit if, um, you know, if you're playing a single color where if something happens, you gain one life or actually it's usually that you usually gain life. Um, that is a motif from back in the day that comes up a lot. You have cards like, I believe um, it's not crystal shard, but uh, there's a there's like a crystal wand. I think it is where every time you cast a blue spell, you can pay one and gain a life. There's uh, soul net, which whenever a creature dies, you can pay one gain a life. There's like throne of bone, whenever you play a black spell, you can pay one gain a life, and they cost like one to come into play. So it, the upfront cost is very minimal, and it's just the idea is every time you cast something, you can just tack on a little extra value just by paying one. But the problem with those are over the course of the game, you end up investing an obscene amount of mana into this thing just to gain a little bit of life. And it's just not worth it. So, Staff of the Death Mag is here. Looks like a later attempt to correct that. And so instead of it being devoted to... Instead of there being any kind of upkeep cost where you have to pay every time you actually want to gain that stupid life, in this case, it happens automatically whenever the staff is in play. Alright, cool. And so, instead of paying one to have it come into play, you have to pay three. Eh, okay, I guess that makes sense. But as long as you get two ticks out of it, it is better than its um, its older counterpart. So, that's something, I suppose. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still not a big return for those three mana. There's so many better things you can do with this. I, in general, black life gain is something that is useful for a lot of reasons. I mean, you have cards like Bloodthirsty Aerialist that gets larger every time you, you gain life. You have cards like Sanguine Bond that, like, whenever you lose life, it or whenever you gain life, it causes other people to lose life. Those kinds of things can get really out of hand and very powerful, you know, not to mention just the way that vampires work around life gain, where they all tend to get some kind of, they, you can trigger effects whenever you gain life with them in play. So any kind of thing that can benefit you and gain you life in, you know, when you have those types of things in play and in action, it's not bad. Actually, um, as I look at this, I was just thinking that... Um, I played a game of Commander with my dad not too long ago, and he has a, an Edgar Markov vampire deck. And uh, he kind of put it together with some stuff that he had around, and he played Tangle Bloom. And I remember thinking, Do, you're playing Tangle Bloom? And it's funny, because actually the exact 
you know, the exchange over the table was, you should probably take that out of that deck because um, that card is not very good. If uh, Tangle Bloom, it's an artifact for one, and you can pay one, tap it, and gain one life. And so I, I remember telling him, like, that's really not that great. But then he got, like, two or three other vampires down, all of which had gain life triggers. And then I kind of, like, step, step back and realized, wait a minute. That actually synergizes with what he has going on. I'm sure there are more competitive ways to do it. But at the end of the day, like, uh, okay, actually, you know what? That act, that actually can be just pay one, tap it, and just get the engine going. So, like, uh, you know what? Actually, that's interesting. You know, it's like one, the moment you put those interactions in place, I actually I actually apologized. You know, I actually just said straight up, like, you know what? Actually, you got a, you got something there. Um, you're onto something. You you saw a combo potential. You saw a piece there that I didn't see at first. So it's like, okay, good work. You know, there, there's something to that. Uh, Staff of the Death Magus is one of those cards that could take the t- place of that Tangle Bloom because whenever you cast a black spell or just drop a swamp. So if you have a lot of basics in your mana base, something like this could be useful as a way of just, um, you know, the one life by itself is not worth a lot. You know, just gaining one life each turn or even two or three life a turn isn't really worth an upfront cost of three um, for an artifact that can get destroyed. You know, that's the other thing is this thing can just get blown up and and you're not going to get any value out of it at all, in which case you just pay three for a thing. And that sucks. Yeah. So there are probably better ways to do it. It's a little inefficient. It's kind of expensive for what it does. But if you're in a situation where... gaining life in black is something that synergizes with your deck's plan. Actually, I think you can do worse than this. You know, it's not too bad. Anytime you can just tack value onto something as simple as playing a land, it's probably worth at least considering. So this is one of those where if I had like a mono black draft and I had something like this, I might consider it. If I'm in a situation where... I really want to gain life and I have a whole mess of life gain triggers. I'm not going to throw this out right away. You know, I'm definitely going to take a look at my other options. That was not too bad. And the artwork, we've got a staff that appears to be made from a spine. So that's freaking metal. Again, that seems to be the, the takeaway here. So it's made from a spine going up into a skull. So it looks like this seriously used to just be somebody's central nervous system. It looks like somebody just... Um, like predator style just ripped somebody's spine out and then presumably they like either petrified it or like you know put pins in or use some kind of magical something in order to stiffen it into a staff and then for some reason they decided to put bat wings under the skull so it's a skull and then a spine with bat wings coming off of it not exactly sure why that is uh, reminds me very much of the Avenge Sevenfold logo. I don't know if that's something the artist was going for, but if it was, good work, you nailed it. Uh, and then it's being held by somebody who is uh, who has their arm wrapped up in like leather bands. Uh, yeah, and in the background you see torches, you know, like sconces burning, some stone archways. Looks very ominous, very much like some kind of underground temple to some nefarious deity. That's definitely the vibe I'm getting off of this. You know, yeah, uh, it, it's very much what you'd think. And uh, the flavor text reads, a symbol of ambition in ruthless times. 
So that's actually not a nice little concise sentence that it definitely gives us what we're looking for. And so this particular staff, it grants vitality and longevity to someone who is using black magic, somebody who is um, tapping the land for power in that most ambitious, most selfish way. And that's one of the one of Black's things is that it's all about um, gaining personal power and personal glory, and that seems to be the actually not even necessarily glory, but definitely power and influence. Um, and, and so, okay, so if somebody is a symbol of ambition, if you are seeking power, if you are doing whatever it takes to attain power. This staff, this symbol can help you, and it will, it will be a representation of that. And it makes sense. I mean, this clearly was created during some kind of ritualistic sacrifice. Like this was definitely a, this definitely came out of a person's body. It's been cleaned, and it's clearly been modified because not only do we have the the bat wings here, but it looks like there are actually some spikes going up all, all, all up and down it. Although actually, those might just be. The vertebrae. Ugh. Anyway, it's giving me the willies. This is a this is a creepy card. This is a very creepy card. Um, yeah, and I mean very succinct in what it is. Now the community rating on this one is really is really lousy. It's only about one and a half stars. So uh, apparently people have kind of come to the come to that same conclusion that it's just not really not a great value, unfortunately. Because um, you know the more I talk about it, the more I the more I like it, I think. But there are some uh, some rulings on it. So let's go ahead and read those. There are three different rulings, all of them from 2014. So number one, uh, oh, and it looks like this was part of a cycle, which makes sense. Generally speaking, when you see like artifacts that are clearly color specific like this, a lot of the time they come in in groups, uh, especially at Uncommon. That's something that you see. All right. So each of these artifacts cares about any land with the appropriate basic land type. For example, Staff of the Sun's Magus ability triggers when any land with the subtype Plains enters the battlefield under your control, not just lands named Plains. Okay, so it's based off of the type, not, uh, not, it doesn't care if it's basic or not. Okay, that's fine. So there are a lot of, uh, yeah, so like the Shocklands, the uh, the Horizons, I think, are the, the ones from Zendikar. Uh, those all have the basic land type on them, but it actually tap for two different colors of mana. So, all right, those those will leverage these. Um, most non-basic lands don't have basic land types, even if they produced colored mana. For example, Caves of Koilos is neither a plains nor a swamp. Having one enter the battlefield under your control won't cause Staff of the Sun's Magus ability to trigger. Okay, so they use the, the white one here uh, for the for these examples. Alright, that's all pretty straightforward. And then the final ruling, if you cast a copy of a card that's a certain color, the appropriate Staff's ability will trigger. However, if you copy a spell on the stack without casting that copy, it will not. Okay, cool. That makes good sense. So, if I flip my Mischievous Quainar face up, create a copy of a spell that's chilling on the stack, that doesn't do squat. It doesn't, it doesn't affect it whatsoever. But if I uh, use my Thief of Sanity, take something off of your off of your library and, and cast it. Actually, do I get the card in that case? Doesn't matter. So, but in any event, so if I, um, what's a good example? 
Well, there's a card called Re Reversal of Fortune from Fifth Dawn, if you haven't heard about it, and it's because it sucks. But it allows you to look at a person's hand, choose a card from it, create a copy, and cast that copy without paying its mana cost. Um, Spelljack is another example that does that, where it's a counter spell, except instead of countering it, you get to copy it and throw another one out there. Um, or you get to stop your opponent from doing it, and you get a copy. Narset's Reversal is also one that's more recent, that is a remand with that Spelljack effect on it. So... Anyway, there are ways of casting copies, and so casting a copy triggers the staff. Creating a copy that's chilling on the staff that was never that that's chilling on the stack that was never cast doesn't affect that. Okay, so that's interesting. So yeah, you have to cast it. You have to cast the spell. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's one of those nuances. Casting versus playing versus, you know, if things go directly or onto or off of the stack. Um, you know, there, there's a difference between countering and removing things from the stack. A lot of that ends up just coming down to semantics. There are actually certain cards that I don't play because the semantic nature of them. Um, you know, I have a bunch of copies of Drake Familiar, and I won't play it because it's a creature that when it comes into play, you return an, an enchantment in play to its owner's hand. That's how it's worded. You don't target the, the, the enchantment. It doesn't have to be your enchantment, but you do get to pick what it is. So if I have an opponent who has an enchantment with Hexproof, I can just say, no, you have to pick that up now. And they're like, but, it, but you can't target it. I know. I'm not targeting it. That's that's silly. Like it's just it's it's annoying and there's this feel bad moment where it's like really you're going to get me on a technicality like that. And so I you know that's one of those like that particular one is kind of I find it frustrating. So even though that little nitpick is in my favor, it makes for a really tense moment where it feels like I feel like I'm cheating if when I use that. And that makes me, when I use it in that way, and that bums me out. So unless I'm in a deck where I want to bounce my own enchantments, I don't even think about that card and I set it aside, which is a bummer because it is pretty pretty impactful. Um, it can be really useful. And especially in um, commander games where I seem to always, you know, <laughs> I had an inner Eureka deck and I always go up against propaganda. And when I'm trying to swing with a lot of little weenies, propaganda just completely messes up my day. I'd love to be able to bounce that back to my opponent's hand for a turn. Um, and you know what? It can do that, but it just... Anyway, it's annoying. Um, yeah, that was an interesting tangent, and I can't believe Staff of the Death Magus got us there. Uh, Three-cost artifact that whenever you cast a black spell or put a or a swamp enters the battlefield under your control... That's another thing. The swamp enters the battlefield. It does not have to be played from your hand. So if you were to use, like, Scapeshift, where... You have to destroy a bunch of lands, and then you can go into your library and grab any number of lands and throw them down on the board. Every single swamp that comes in with that effect would be impacted by Staff of the Magus. So that's pretty cool. Um, the other thing that I'm just thinking of now that I'm wondering, and so now after, after complaining about technicalities for a minute, here I am potentially creating a technicality. Um, if I were to take, a, say, a changeling that has every creature type, could one of those types be swamp? I assume no, because swamp is a subtype that appears on lands, but I could be wrong. Anyway, so um, this has been Staff of the Death Magus. It's, it's a pleasure, as always. I will catch you guys next time.